Anne Scotland is a diversified entrepreneur, motivational coach, author, and podcaster. Her popular Twitter feed draws millions of views a month, and she produces a down-to-earth motivational weekly show. Scotland's energy and enthusiasm attract clients worldwide to her workshops, retreats, and online courses. Hey everyone, welcome back to Lady Empire. I have such an amazing guest here with me tonight. And thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Absolutely. And I want to just dive right in. I'm super excited for our first topic. I know that you have um, a very interesting upbringing <laughs> and childhood. Yeah. So let's start with you telling us a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up. Sure. So yeah, not the typical American kids story. People are like, I bet you were a cheerleader. I'm like, if you only knew. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up way out in the country, um, you know, long dresses, growing around food, getting ready for the end of the world. Um, you know, and it is a religious Christian, but kind of very right wing um, cult sort of experience. Um, I homeschooled, not like today where everyone has like their groups that they meet during the week. This was like old fashioned homeschool. This was really pretty little house on the prairie, honestly. <laughs> This is old fashioned homeschool with me and my brothers. And until I was 15 and a half, I'd never been to any other school and really had been around very few kids. So a very unusual space to grow up for an extrovert, for starters. <laughs> and then, um, uh, you know, also just kind of being the oldest type A Capricorn, whatever, you know, I was a high performer. So you put me in any setting, I'm going to try to achieve top marks, right? So I figured I could do this better than the adults. I could, you know, like it kind of, if there was competition, it became within, it wasn't that I rejected why the way I was brought up, I actually embraced it. So that made kind of the unlearning later a little more challenging. So eventually, how did you, you know, develop those social skills and be able to I mean, you said even up until 15, and that is such a tough age, I feel like, even just socially and in your body and just different things you're experiencing, right? So how did you really start to develop those social skills and just being able to communicate with other kids, adults that were your age? Yeah. So it is really interesting, actually, that you said kids and adults, because I would say by the age of about 12, still in that setting, I kind of just became an adult. Now, I still went through all the hormones and all the angst and all the depression, but I just realized that that was how to get the most attention and to have my talents recognized, which is just kind of step right up. And so that was kind of how I behaved and acted, which is probably kind of funny. Now I've met a few kids now that were like me then. And I'm like, oh, now I know what I was like. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> what I had going for me was that I already naturally loved people. So actually was 
lonely, not even as lonely as I realized I was in the isolated experience. But once I was around people, I was literally, I remember my first night before school, of course, I was 15 and a half. And it was a tiny, tiny high school of like private high school, of like 60 kids in the whole school. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> and I could not sleep a single wink because I was just like, so excited and nervous. And I had literally no problem fitting in. It was just so much fun. I was so absolutely thrilled to be around people. The challenge, which is partly teenage challenge, but was being that type A personality, I was very all or nothing. So grades were really like stressed me out, even though I was a pretty good student, because I felt like, you know, when you're the only student, it's like, you kind of, you're either, you're an A or you're an F. I mean, right. Right. So like, I couldn't seem to get into the idea that, you know, a B could be fine. Um, and then also interpersonal relationships with people, not like having fun, but trying to figure out how to deal with issues when they came up, you know, right. If someone else starts dating a guy I like, or if um, I accidentally hurt someone's feelings really bad and didn't mean to, I would be just crushed and like I'd be depressed for weeks and cry every day because I, it kind of, again, that all or nothing is like, well, I've completely blown it, you know? Right. Um, so it was more those elements as opposed to just being with people. It was more being with myself as I learned to be around people. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. And I want to just fast forward and talk a little bit about how you got involved in emotional and spiritual wellness. Um, and this is something that you teach through different workshops or retreats or publications. So talk to us a little bit how you discovered this and why you became so passionate about it. Yeah. So I think one of the really interesting things as a kid, um, and in a very, you know, extreme religious environment was you had a lot of rules to obey. Um, things were not always easy. And yet the measure of whether or not you were doing it right was if you had a lot of joy. <laughs> right. So you felt like you put joy on whether you really felt like that or not. And um, later, um, you know, I went to a fairly conservative college. I got married my senior year in college to someone from my own um, faith. So that was interesting. Started kind of exploring like what was a bigger world was all about. Um, ultimately, that ended in a sort of catastrophic divorce that I didn't want. And that was when I really started saying, oh, my gosh, like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? I'm not just the arm charm or the wife or the mother or the, you know, like, who? what was I meant to do on this planet? You know, who am I? And how can I have joy if, you know, and I didn't have, I had very poor support from my religious community around that divorce, as you might imagine. And I just felt like I lost everything. Like maybe even God wasn't sure. I would just, <laughs> and so I finally, after some really dark times decided, okay, there has to be a way to connect. So whether someone's religious or not religious, I started studying and experimenting and learning from other people and gurus and teachers and realizing that joy is really your birthright as a human being. You know, you're born most people are born with the essence of joy. You watch a baby or a little kid and the laughing and the playing, even animals, baby animals, you see them playing and you're like, that's the joy. And as I learned and grew and trained professionally, I started realizing that you never really lost it. You just covered it up 
or you were told it wasn't okay, or you've suppressed it. You know, you're so busy with your job and your career, you know, your career, your family, your mortgage. You're like, oh, I don't have time to do anything fun or creative anymore. Like, I got to be practical. And you start realizing, you forget that it's being in your joy or being in that creative space is what actually makes you a healthier person in all those other areas. So that was how I started transitioning um, through a stint in Hollywood as an actress and then into emotional wellness. <laughs> I know. I'm like, we skipped a little bit. I jumped right to emotional wellness. And I also saw that you were an actress as well. And I'm like, I got to find out more about this. And when this occurred in your <laughs> in your lifetime line, what happened? Um, how was that experience? Yeah, so that that was wild. Um, so even though I wasn't, I didn't have TV, I didn't have movies, I wasn't allowed to read fiction, but I still love stories. So I wrote my first play when I was 10. Of course, I starred in it because who else was going to start it? <laughs> and, then, um, <laughs> um, and I had been writing all my life, definitely a very, very much a creative. And um, uh, after my divorce, I went back to graduate school. Um, I was getting a degree in ancient medieval history, among other things, wow. and um, studying powerful women. My thesis was about medieval women writers who totally broke the mold and broke the rules to be the first published women um, in England. And um, as I was just getting ready to graduate from grad school and I was going to teach because I have a natural propensity to teach anything, right, to teach, <clears throat> Um, we hit the recession and even like the PhDs that had been there for 10 years were getting laid off and it was not a time to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, now what? Uh, so I was walking through one of the halls on campus one day and I saw one of those messy bulletin boards that have like all the different color paper like tacked up on them. And there was an audition and I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. I have no idea to this day, like what took over. <laughs> well, yeah. actually it's really funny. I thought, maybe that's a way I can make some money on the side. <laughs> so, so I went and it was for a very small production, but what it was for, believe it or not, was Lysistrata. If you know anything about ancient Greek plays, um, she is a powerful mover and shaker um, in the ancient world in this story where they decide they've got to kick the men's asses in gear and get the country turned around. And oh, this I is who Lysistrata is in this ancient place. So I auditioned. Somehow I landed the lead role of Lysistrata and, uh, and started memorizing, you know, like 60 or 100 pages of almost Shakespearean writing, which is you know, translated from the ancient Greek. This is my very first project. So having been broken in, then I said, huh, maybe I should get some headshots. Maybe I should get an agent. Eventually, I was in the Bay Area. I was in San Francisco at that time, eventually moved to L.A. And it was really fun and exciting to get around other people who were fully expressed, especially with my background. The greatest gift that acting gave me was, you know, just being in a classroom learning from incredible teachers and with other incredible students who had amazing roles, um, how to just be self-expressed and that was okay. And that translated into my life, which was a real gift. It wasn't like therapy, but it was kind of a little bit like therapy because I was, you know, I couldn't get angry in front of anyone. Right. Because that was not okay in my environment. So they had to teach me. They had to teach me how to cuss. <laughs> they had to yeah. teach me how to get angry. Um, they're like, okay. And they're like, well, no, you don't want to do it for you, but we know you'll do it for your career. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> So that was how I learned. And that was how that began. And in the last, you know, you know, 
what, 30 seconds or less, a studio invited me to come and start teaching for them and acting and the teaching the business side of acting because um, I was older than most of the other students and I had, you know, career experience. And that was how the coaching and the writing and the training began. And then later I went to the Santa Barbara Executive College of Coaching because I said, you know, I want this to be more than just a tiny gig. I would like this to be like, you know, the other half of my career um, going forward and, you know, in an, in a way that I can, you know, make more money between acting gigs. So that was how it was born. And then I really started finding my footing. <laughs> wow. That's so fascinating. But it's almost like acting was a huge part of why you're doing what you're doing now. And it's sort of like kickstarted what you're doing now, um, from what it sounds like. And I want to talk a little bit about, um, what you created um, in 2021, you established the Power of Joy Institute. And this is a collaborative educational enterprise with a global mission. Tell us about this mission. Tell us about who can benefit from it and what it is. Awesome. Yes. So uh, originally it was created to become a place, a networking opportunity for, that would benefit both the consumers and providers. Um, you know, one of the things you learn as an entrepreneur or a self-employed person is that it is not always the most efficient to do everything all alone after many years of doing that. And I'm sure many people listening know what that's like. So I decided, you know, in the beginning of 2021, I said, you know, this is the year for collaboration and partnerships. Let's bring people together. Let's create more power by uniting our gifts and bringing it to the world. Let's bring programs to people who are interested and want to, you know, can afford it. And then let's also provide online tools and white paper and podcasts and classes globally for people who may not be able to afford it, who still need to learn more about emotional wellness. You know, like one of my um, passion projects, which I still intend to expand, um, is um, around India, especially young women in India. And that's where some of the global part comes in because it's, it's evolved to become very much a global impact program. So for another day, but <clears throat> which is, you know, the kind of dichotomy they find themselves in now you know, some of them grow up in rural home. It might have a dirt floor. Their entire objective of their family is to get them college educated. So they go to college, they study hard, they become an engineer, but of course they're still going to have an arranged marriage. You know, they've grown up on Instagram, but they still live in these really weird, you know, their unique cultural environment. And there's a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of suicide. And um, how do you bring these two worlds together and function? And what, how, you know, like, what if your husband doesn't support your career ideas or what if, you know, it's just very hard. So we sometimes think of this as, you know, sort of like a Western thing. Emotional wellness is almost, you know, oh, that's something for people who already have everything else all settled out. Not really. It really is for everyone because it affects our physical health. It affects our social relationships. If it affects how productive we are in our career. So it's a global conversation. And the Power of Joy Institute was one of the things that I wanted to that launched into a conversation about, you know, global wellness. And then ultimately this year, also for people who want to talk about it, um, an in inclusive conversation about spiritual wellness. Wow. Very cool. And I feel like you creating this 
um, and using your background and the way you grew up, right? You can really relate to these individuals. And like you mentioned, even um, your passion project in India. And it's, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the people who create these types of projects or organizations or institutes, it's hard for them to relate to the people that they're trying to help or serve. Um, you know, it kind of becomes sort of a money discussion and, you know, you kind of forget about the true meaning of why it's being created. Right. So I feel like this is such an awesome institute and, um, idea because you truly experience this and you have, you're going to be able to relate to these types of individuals, which makes it that much more meaningful, you know? Yes, which is very strange for them because, because <laughs> we'll, you know, we'll be talking and they'll talk about growing up on American TV shows that I didn't grow up on. And maybe I got to see some of them reruns in my 20s and some of them I never seen at all, you know, and, and they're like, what? You know, they're from other countries around the world. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I'm sure that is why I'm so passionate about, <clears throat> especially for women, for human rights globally and wellness globally. But as a woman, especially passionate about women uh, in environments that are overly controlled, uh, where they have limited ability to make their own decisions, to decide for themselves, to choose their personal, professional, spiritual path. And, um, you know, one, we can use teaching and education to start opening up the world in different ways to both genders. Um, and two, what if you're really in a place that you are you are really can't change. What if you're in a household with children and you cannot leave? You can, this is, you know, you love your children. Then how do we cooperate as a planet to support you mm-hmm. in your environment and help you find emotional wellness within it mm-hmm. um, to avoid the depression, to avoid the suicide, to, to bring wellness and happiness and joy, goodness to families, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And This brings me to my next topic as well, which is your Amazon bestseller called Live for Joy. So talk to us a little bit about why you decided to write this book and, you know, what your goals are for this book. Yes, thank you. So here it is right here. Oh, there's my little sticker, Amazon. (laughs) You can't really see it. Um, Live for Joy. I wanted to write a personal empowerment book that was useful for people, even if they only had a minute or two, because not everyone is going to be able to read a whole chapter, even listen to a whole chapter a day of, you know, a a self-empowerment book. Um, And how can you cultivate a life of joy? And the book isn't just about joy. It's about the complex pieces of life that bring joy. Like chapter three is called, um, be be a generous world citizen is talking about how do you participate in the greater world as opposed to just being focused on yourself and your own problems. Um, there's a chapter on motivation. There's a chapter, the last chapter, chapter 12, uh, is, it's a big book, by the way, it's 280 pages, fully illustrated, full color. It's gorgeous inside. Um, I know some of your people can't see this, but I will just open it randomly. Yes, and, please um, do. See, okay, so it, when I say fully illustrated, oh, amazing! Fully illustrated. Um, some of the pages of content are more than others, but it's just little snippets that are very deep. They're all original. It's not a compilation. It's all original. Um, it's philosophy. It's um, 
it's not religious, but there's some aspects of spirituality, of creativity, of wellness. And this was actually inspired um, because of my Twitter audience that I started writing some of this content for over the years um, until you know, actually had a very large following. And um, they started saying, why aren't you putting this in a book? Put this in a book. And I'm, I'm, I'm the creative, I'm visual. So I'm like, I don't, I mean, a book is great, but I wouldn't want an experience, you know, an old fashioned book that you can hold on to. There's a digital one, but <laughs> you know, um, hardcover and beautiful pictures. I tell people, I don't make as much on the hardcover, but you should buy it. Cause it's just such a nice experience. <laughs> and just another win. We just won another, um, award from global book awards. So we're excited to like, take it to the next level now. Awesome. That's so exciting. Um, and I make it my goal. Any authors I have on my podcast, I write them down in my um, list to read. So this is definitely on my list to read. I'm super excited. Um, You'll and- love it. And you know what? I'll just say briefly, like what makes it such a fun book is again, you can literally just open it to a page and get a thought for your day that will keep buzzing around your head all day. Um, <clears throat> But people usually put it on their desk, on their coffee table. A lot of people have the bedside table. They'll read one at the first thing in the morning. Um, So it's kind of, it's a very practical book as well as a really beautiful book. I love that so much. Um, Awesome. And you mentioned your very large Twitter following. (laughs) And that brings me to my final question. Where can our listeners follow you on social media and see what you're working on? Awesome. Yes. So um, for the straight to it message, you can go to my website and scotland.com. If you're listening only, that's A-N-N-E-S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N.com. And that will be in the notes, I'm sure. Uh, if social media is your preferred um, communication area, then go to Twitter, Instagram. Those are the big ones. Uh, also Facebook, also LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, pick Pick, pick the platform you love, message me. I would love to hear from you. I love connecting with everyone and seeing how I can support you where you are. Awesome. Well, Anne, thank you so much for everything you shared tonight. I think your story is super fascinating and we will absolutely put all the different links um, in the notes as well. But again, thank you for being here and for sharing. Thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again soon. 